Welcome to The Vampire Squid, a podcast about increasing transparency and education in finance. This is your host, Sal Lee, and welcome to episode 35 of The Vampire Squid. As you could probably tell, I'm a little bit sick this weekend. The weather has gone from 9 degrees to 55 degrees in the span of just a few days, so... I have a bit of a cold, but um wanted to get this episode out for you guys, and this is the follow-up to part one of the interview with Jeff Schneider from Royalty Exchange. And in today's part two, um, we're going to dive deeper into how Royalty Exchange makes money, how the bidding process works, what are his competitors, and uh even if I am a believer as in a Justin Bleeber. So I hope that you guys enjoy, um, and I will talk to you guys next week. Ciao. This just comes to mind, but how do you guys deal with things like piracy or people illegally downloading music, or is that maybe you know a very insignificant amount of the uh, the revenue that's generated by songs? Yeah, I mean piracy at this stage is insignificant, but I think if you looked at if you look at the music industry as a whole, piracy really impacted music basically from the early 2000s until about 2015, you know, and but with the ease of the digital streaming, all of those places are paying royalties at this stage. And so as the the music industry went through a huge transition in the last 15-20 years, from, and, and piracy was definitely one of the triggers of it. But now what you see is people who are more willing to pay for, you know, for digital on demand or they're paying through or they're just streaming through Pandora and all of those companies. Spotify pays, I think it's, it's between 60 and 70% of their entire income goes to paying royalties. So yeah, piracy played a factor, but I think at this stage it is a it is a much smaller amount than it's been historically. Got it. How does royalty exchange make money? Do you guys charge based on a percentage of the transaction or how do you guys uh, generate your revenue? Exactly. It's a percentage of the transaction. Got it. And who who pays that? Is does the um does the songwriter pay that or does the uh does the purchaser pay that or is it split? It's typically the, the songwriter at this stage. And, and I think that those, you know, what we're trying to do is make sure that the marketplace has the least amount of friction as possible. So right at this stage, we're not charging buyers to, to bid. What, we're, what we care more about is making sure that we find great outcomes for both, both parties. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about uh, maybe some of the few notable investments that were made or some of the other notable ones like Door of the Explorer? Um, that you guys have on your on your platform? Sure. I mean, uh, so Dora the Explorer was a that was a very small one. Barry White was a was a really big and popular one. A couple coming up that includes Corn. Uh, yep. Uh, so it includes Narcissistic Cannibal. Then we have uh, we've done quite a bit in the the R and B and hip hop space. So a few Chris Brown songs. Uh, we've also done a, a good chunk of uh, Coolio's, uh, songwriter. It wasn't Coolio himself, but, uh, one of Coolio's songwriters. So it included a lot of the Coolio songs in his catalog. Mm-hmm. And when I'm making these investments, are these into perpetuity or is that how the contracts negotiated? How many years do I get these royalties for? 
Good question. So that is that is based on copyright law. In in this case, copyright law is in in most cases it's going to be the generation. It's so it's 70 years beyond the death of the artist or the creator. Oh wow, that's uh well that's basically into perpetuity for our purposes. <laughs> <laughs> for most for most cases, yeah. Um. So I'm a big fan of uh, electronic music. Do you guys do things for that? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, sort of the EDM? Yeah, electronic. So there's there electronic is actually one of the fastest growing pieces or segments of the music business. So the music business as a whole is looking to grow about 5% here in 2016. And most of the places have, see it continuing to grow as digital adoption is continues to grow. But EDM in particular, I believe it's actually, it's, I believe it's double digits that EDM is growing worldwide. It's one of the most popular spaces. We do have, I believe, uh, we've done three or four. We have one up now that's, uh, that is trance music. That's awesome. Um, and do you know which artist that one is from? Ooh, that is a good question. <laughs> Tell me about your role as CFO. Uh, you know, what's your, what's your day to day look like? Yeah, it's uh, I would say we're we're still a small organization, so I, I'm kind of double duty as the the CFO and president or COO, however you classify things. So, you know, so my job on a daily basis is making sure that we're getting auctions, you know, through the system, and you know, on the other side of that, just making sure that we've we've got a, a process to pay investors make sure that it's clean on both sides that the transfers are properly affected and making sure that basically the marketplace as a whole you know we do things that are in benefit of the marketplace and and not you know it's easy to get mired into a specific deal and so we we make sure that when we're making decisions about individual deals we are doing what's in best case for the marketplace so uh, as a part of that, you know, we don't do every deal that crosses our table. We have some diligence that we need to do. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a part of that process as well. And is every, uh, royalty and song done through an auction or is there, um, you know, some artists that just say, whoever will pay me, you know, $10,000 gets it. Uh, everything we do right now is through auction. And, you know, that is actually one of the one of the debates we've had internally several times is, you know, this is a marketplace where most of the deals had always happened behind closed doors and in, in an office somewhere where the musician or the artist gets one offer and it's take it or leave it. And that's that's their only option. Mm -hmm. You know, we think for the asset class to rise, the, you know, assets become more valuable to the investor when there's more transparency and more liquidity. And, you know, so what we're having to, to do, you know, rather than take a lot of deals where somebody just writes in and says, Hey, I see this listing up there. I'll, I'll just give you this amount. If you take it off the website right now, you know, we, we encourage and force those people to go make it public and make it transparent and through the auction process. Interesting. And is this like uh, an eBay auction process where, you know, by Friday we received all the bids and, you know, highest bid wins? Is that how it works? Exactly. So uh, our, au our auctions, you, you can bid in real time. We have a verification process that if you're, 
you know, if we want to make sure it's the integrity of the marketplace. So if a new investor comes along and they've never bid, we don't quite know, you know, who they are, you know, we don't want them to just bid the price up. And so, uh, we try to remove any bad actors through a verification process. Mm -hmm. Uh, but all of the bids are, you can, they're displayed real time. You know, we've got the countdown and we've got the, you know, there's a five minute rule so that people can't come in and just, snipe on the last quarter of a second. Um, but yeah, so we've, we've tried to think through all of these marketplace dynamics to make sure that we can find, you know, true price discovery for these assets. Yep. Does your company have uh, a VC funding or, you know, how did, how did this start? Yeah, good question. It's, uh, it's funded primarily by myself and, uh, and the CEO. Uh, but we did do a small friends and family round earlier this year. And, and that was primarily, uh, it was, it involved people who we think would be helpful strategically to the business in the long term. So people who are from the music business or from the entertainment business. And, and so we invited them to, to put a little bit of money into the business as well. Sure. And could you talk about, you know, maybe when you, when it was started to where you guys are now and, you know, where you expect to be in, you know, next three to five years in terms of the size, uh, the number of artists, the number of bidders, uh, transactions? Wow. Three to five years is a long, long way away. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, from, from where we got started, we really, uh, we took over the business at the end of last year, but, I would call February 1st or middle of February is when we really started focusing on it. Uh, the leadership team, we all had other commitments and other priorities. So we took some time to wind those down properly before we, you know, spent full time effort on royalty exchange. And so in the, you know, really 10 months since we've, since we've been started on it full time, we've done about 70 auctions over $4 million worth of funding this year. And uh, funding basically meaning for artists. So, you know, and I think, you know, the analogy we've been using internally is that we're really just kind of sweeping the surface at this stage. We haven't even really gone deep into, you know, the music space. And so next year, there's some product innovation that we have to make uh, to, you know, continue finding the best product for both sides of the marketplace. And, and that's what you'll see over the next year or so. Uh, beyond that or at, at the right time, you know, the, the, the interesting thing to me with royalties is that it is higher up the value chain and these exist in lots of places outside of the music business. So if you look at books, if you look at intellectual property with patents, um, you know, one patent in the medical field is about as big as the entire music business, right? So, and then you, even in oil, even in energy. So a lot of the alternative energies, solar and wind, they all have royalty streams that can be carved out. And so I think the, you know, right now focusing on music allows us to innovate with the product and make sure that we're meeting the, the needs of both sides of the marketplace. But there's lots of opportunity in other segments that all have royalties attached to it. I think. I heard you on one of the podcasts mention, you know, Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank making royalty deals for business. <laughs> and you guys should bring him on as an advisor. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's, there's always options. If he gives me a call, I will certainly answer that phone call. <laughs> 
who who are your competitors? Because uh, you know, typically when I think of royalties, especially with music royalties, I think of you know like a Sony or some of these you know big mega media companies. Are are those the people that you're competing with, or is this a different slice of the segment? It's most of the competition. I mean, the competition is out there, but nobody's doing it in a public way. So I think the that's our primary intent. That's basically the gap we're trying to fill. So in terms of uh, people who are competing for Mindspace, you know, in the same area, uh, you know, for artists, it is definitely the big conglomerates, but they offer, in most cases, pretty, pretty bad deals that, mm-hmm. you know, the artists – even some of the major artists that you've heard of, you've probably read stories of how bad of a deal that they entered into. And those are, that's the, that's the top echelon of musicians. Like imagine what the rest of the people get. Yeah. So, uh, so that's definitely, you know, they're, they're competing in a way, but I think the other side is uh, we, we certainly in the crowdfunding space, like the Indiegogo's, you know, those are viable funding opportunities for, for people who are getting started. So, you know, what we like to say is with, with any musician, we try to be fair, fast, and flexible. Interesting. And is your goal to get, uh, you know, Justin Bieber's songwriter or Taylor Swift's songwriter where it could be a potentially huge transaction? Or is your go-to-market strategy mainly focusing on, um, you know, some of these songwriters that may, may not be as well-known but are generating royalties um, and just making sure you just tap very deep into that market. Yeah, let me tell you one of the thoughts I had, because I had spent some time in, you know, working on marketing for the last several years in a couple of the entrepreneurial ventures. And as this opportunity, as Royalty Exchange started taking kind of the opportunity came about, one of the marketing ideas I've had, and I would, I, I still want to do it and I would love to do it. Uh, but it, it requires certain regulations around it that we have to be aware of is having a, an individual, you know, a spouse on Valentine's day buy their love song for their spouse or their loved one. In the same way, like people who buy stars in the sky, that's a, you know, they do that as an expression of love. But in my mind, if you can, if you can give something that has the emotional attachment to it, uh, like your favorite love song. Yeah. And you combine that with the fact that it's going to earn a quarterly check for the rest of your life. I mean, I think that's a pretty good gift. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of, of a lot of the bigger artists, you know, that will require uh, more regulation, you know, where, where we have to comply with securities laws and we were able to take a song and break it into, you know, multiple investors. So without a doubt, that's all some part of the parts of the product innovation that we have to do. Mm-hmm. And is this um is this usually a winner take all? So if say an artist is auctioning off a hundred percent royalties to one of their songs they wrote, can, is it possible to be split between people, or does someone have to take all of it? It is it is winner take all at this stage. I think uh, you know you you probably are pretty aware of of SEC regulations. Yep. But. Uh, so we can't facilitate if multiple people take it. If, uh, if there is an investor group who decides that they want to bid as an investor group, that's, you know, that's, that's their own choice. But we can't facilitate splitting it up and having multiple parties buy a single asset. Interesting. So could someone like, you know, me or, you know, one of my friends in college invest into, uh, or bid or on, on one of these auctions at Royalty Exchange? 
Of course. Uh, we, so like I said, we do have a, a verification process where we, we basically, depending on the asset size, we need to make sure that, you know, funds are, can be wired within two days. And so we, we put people through that verification process, but, uh, there's certainly, you know, if the funds are there and you're, uh, knowledgeable about investing and you're not, you know, we, if we don't think that you're a bad actor in the marketplace, then, you know, anybody can buy. That's great. Do you guys ever run into issues or difficulties um, getting artists to sell on your platform? Because, you know, I would imagine that uh, with some of the artists, a lot of them may be already contracted by some of these large conglomerates. Um, or do they, uh, is anyone allowed to sell on your platform or do they have to not be associated or under contract with a, um, with another large conglomerate? Yeah, anybody can sell. Uh, but of course they have to own the income stream that they're selling. So, uh, in some cases, you know, we do find out that they, you know, they, they proceed with us. And then as a part of our due diligence, like I said, before we get things listed, you know, we make sure that they are in fact the owner, that there's no liens against the asset or anything like that. Um, but anybody can sell and, you know, we, like, we are, our primary intent is actually servicing some of those musicians and artists who have, you know, they don't really have any other option. You know, if you are Justin Bieber or Adele, you know, the big conglomerates are kind of fighting over you. Uh, but a lot of these, a lot of the, I mean, and it's, they're great artists that have been around and they have, you know, great reputation and great track record. But, you know, the, the way all of the major labels and publishing companies now have all been really uh, strapped. You know, their margins have been compressed with all everything that's happening in the music business. So what we're trying to do is serve some of those musicians and artists who can't find funding in other places. Gotcha. Um, did you find that uh, your MBA at Purdue, did you find any of those things that you learned in the classroom really applicable to how you are, uh, you know, conducting your role as CFO currently? Without a doubt. Yeah. I, I didn't think I would say yes to that question, but, uh, you know, in a, in a few ways. So, uh, first of all, on company valuation, you know, valuation we do. So on our own valuation, but also within royalty streams, that's a lot of data analysis. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're at, we're basically, trying to present the data and, and find ways and trends. You know, there's a lot of data analysis that we want to do in the, in the background. And all of that is, is, is classic stats, you know, and when you're in stats class, you don't realize how frequent it will come back to you, but uh, it has definitely become valuable, you know, as, as I've shifted into the royalty exchange. Yeah. And just going back to, you know, when you're talking about other avenues for, for royalties, you know, I, I didn't really think of this, um, just glancing through your website because you guys are focused on music currently, but, you know, thinking about royalties for, I believe you said in, in the healthcare space or in oil and gas, was it that, that seems very interesting as well. When, when do you potentially see, uh, that happening? Yeah. You see us dabbling in it now. Uh, when, you know, when an opportunity comes up, since we are one of the few, uh, financing sources for, you know, this type of asset, we do get opportunities 
to that come across us. Uh, we have a, an audiobook listing on the site now, and that's our first audiobook listing. So hmm. we will, um, you know, we'll do some of them opportunistically now. Uh, but like I said, I think we'll delve deeper into some of those different channels when we have a product innovation that we know serves those individual channels. Sure. And how big is the company currently? In people? In terms of people, yep. Yeah, so we've got, uh, we've got 10 people here at our office in Denver. That's great. Um, what's it like working in a entrepreneurial environment, very lean, uh, startup y? What, what's the, uh, what's your feel? And especially since you're in Denver too, um, you know, how's it, how's it being in Denver? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I love it. I mean, I've, I've worked in the big corporate world and, and working in smaller environments, I, I thoroughly enjoy as a, as a startup, you know, I think startups often have the, the mindset of, you know, there's always a keg in the fridge and things like that. <laughs> That's not how I run a startup, but, um, you know, but I will say it gives us opportunities, you know, and royalty exchange itself has given us opportunities to create an environment for employees that is, uh, fun and enjoyable and moves fast. And those are, you know, the easiest example is we had, one of the artists who sold on our platform, you know, over time, you know, working with the artists, we, we established relationships with these folks. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our employees was getting married. And so we actually invited him. We flew him out to Denver. Uh, we invited ourselves to this guy's wedding. Wow. And uh, he played, you know, he had a, a triple platinum song. So he played acoustic at, you know, our employee's wedding. So it's just like, that's an experience that, I'm not sure many other startups could give that I'm, you know, it's, it's just fun to be a part of. Talk a little bit more about the, uh, the music environment. Cause you know, from a listener standpoint, it, it seems so exciting. You know, it's, um, artists playing concerts for tens of thousands of people. And you guys are obviously, you know, helping some of these people out now, you know, what are, what are, uh, what are these artists like in, in real life? I mean, they've all, they've all been a pleasure to work with really. I mean, they're, uh, the one thing I would say that we've spent, you know, some time in Nashville and LA. Obviously, we're based in Denver, but a lot of the music business happens in Nashville and LA. And I was impressed when I went to LA. You know, you you realize if if, if you're listening to like pop music that, uh, you know, you mm -hmm. think that pop music is systematic. You don't think that the the people really have skills, but um, you know, when, when I was in LA once, I remember we were spending time with one of these musicians and they were saying how much respect they have for Justin Bieber. Wow. And, you know, as a, you know, I don't know your opinion on Justin Bieber. Maybe you, maybe you rock out to Justin Bieber, but, uh, I, I was <laughs> the impression that a lot hey, of I'm people, a, I'm a, I'm, I'm not ashamed to be a believer. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, from, from the outside, you think that, you know, he's, a He's a part of the system and the system is really what brought him to what he is. But what they are telling, you know, what they say is that, you know, if the power goes out and he has a crowd of 30,000 people, he will find a way to entertain them. He has that much musical skill and he has that much entertainment value. And that's like, that's a side of the music business that I will say I didn't, I didn't know. Like I thought, I thought it was a lot of the systematic approach. Um, you know, I had heard stories. I'd read stories, you know, two or three years ago that how the radio gets adoption on certain songs. They use kind of algorithms to, to play. They, they sequence the song plays so that a new song getting introduced 
is played is kind of sandwiched by familiar songs that everybody it likes. And so mm-hmm. sandwiching it, you like the middle song better kind of thing. And so all of that led me to believe that I was just being fooled. You know, I just thought the, the system is what generated these musicians. But you know, now that I spend more time in the industry, you see the great and deep respect and skill that these people have. And it's, it's been really enlightening for me. I, I, that really hits home because, um, you know, I have a great amount of respect for artists. Uh, even just doing something as simple as a podcast was, uh, there's a lot of things that go under and there's a lot of work that's unseen by listeners. And I, I could just only imagine, you know, with someone of Justin Bieber's size and his, uh, the, the crowd size of his shows, you know, the amount of work that needs to go through, um, to make these platinum hits, you know, every album. So, um, I know that we're uh, we're running a little bit short on time, and I, I think Justin Bieber is probably a, a good note to to end off. But um, you know, if people want to learn a little bit more about uh, about you, Jeff, and about Royalty Exchange, um, should they just shoot you an email, go to your website, your Twitter? Wh- wh- where should they find you? Yeah, the website is definitely the first and foremost. I mean, we have uh, we have contact information there. We have live chat. We have you know the listings are up there. We have career section if. Uh, you know, we're always looking for bright, talented people. So the website is definitely the, the place to start. And we've got, uh, you know, we do have a social media presence. So check us out on Twitter. And, you know, we're everywhere there. Got it. Um, Jeff, thanks so much for, for coming on to the show. I, I had a lot of fun. And I hope we get to connect again soon. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate it, Alan.